A minute ago, we're going to be looking at the book of Judges today, so if you want to open up your Bibles to the book of Judges, that would be great. Again, we'll have some of the text. Uh, before you, you get into you know, large breathing, you see I have two chapters of Scripture to teach on today. We're not going to go through every single verse. Okay? We're going to just go through little, we're going to go through different sections of it. But I wanted to go ahead and open up that. The, I'm titling this series as we look at the book of Judges, Broken Heroes. Because uh, you're going to see that God provides this redeemer, this hero, in a variety of different scenarios to save his people from themselves and from their enemies. But each time, these men are tragically, tragically, tragically flawed. And so we're looking at the, this book of Bible. You know, Josh made, uh, a, Josh, by the way, is preaching at Grace Prez uh, this morning. So you guys pray for him. He's probably preaching, I don't know, right about now. And, um, but he made a, we were laughing all week about this comment that Josh made at the beginning of his sermon last week. He said, listen, the last time I preached, this is what he said, last time I preached, I preached about a naked guy who was running around beating people and a pigs that drowned themselves. And then he said, that's why you don't miss church. All right. So I thought that was hilarious. I've been laughing about that all week. Well, guess what? We're heading to the book of Judges. It is just as exciting as that particular passage. And I'm just going to warn you, it is not always PG, okay? Um, so anytime, by the way, anytime you, got, you feel like kids need a break, either because, you know, content or they need just to step outside, we have nursery right over there, and those ladies there, or whoever's over there right now, would love to help you out uh, with that. But I love what one guy said uh, when he talked about the book of Judges. This is one of the guys that I read this week. He said, only people who take tranquilizers before sitting down can doze off while reading the book of Judges. Okay, So there is, there is a lot going on in the, in the book of Judges. You really get to see humanity in its true state. I mean, we, get, we like to talk a lot about humanity and, we, and how good it is and, you know, save the planet and different things like that. But, but the reality is if you look at humanity, you look at the history of humanity, it's pretty nasty. And if you're looking at the book of Judges, you're going to see the same thing. It can get pretty nasty really quick. And by the way, this is one of the reasons this type of thing being in the Bible is one of the reasons why we believe that this is actually true. Because let me just say this. If I'm making up a religion, I'm not going to put this kind of stuff in there, right? I'm not going to put this kind of discrediting stuff in there about it. And it's one of the reasons why I think that uh, the Bible is true and it's not made up is because this stuff is really real, all right? So let's talk about uh, this passage, why I wanted to, stu uh, to study the, the book of Judges. I believe it's really unbelievably relevant uh, for 21st century American life. And here are a couple reasons why. Uh, one of the things that's a huge buzzword in, in our word today is tolerance. You guys, we hear this all the time, okay? Tolerance. Uh, we hear, you know, we need to tolerate this. And this is basically, don't ever say that something is right or wrong. Just tolerate everybody as long as they are not hurting you. And where are you going to find out that actually, in our passage today, the Israelites tolerated something that God said not to tolerate, and it didn't work out very well for them. Okay? Another thing that we see in, in our culture is sexual freedom. And that one of the things that, that is the, one of the banner cries is that I am defined as a human by the way that I choose to express myself 
uh, the way that I choose to express myself sexually. And by the way, that's a bad way to define what it means to be human. There's so much more than that uh, there, but this is one of the things that we talk about a lot. You're going to see a lot of that in the book of Judges. All right, Here's one of the reasons, the main reasons why I chose it, is the book of Judges has a lot to say about success and significance. All right, Success and significance. Very often in our day and age, and I think this has a lot to do with social media and different things like that, uh, we are slaves to our comparison to other people. Do y'all feel that? I feel that all the time, right? And one of the things that you're going to see in the book of Judges is that these heroes are not perfect at all, okay? But there is a God who every time is gracious and merciful and comes to deliver them. It has a lot to say about success, significance, and true freedom. Another thing that we see a lot in our culture today, and that we feel this, whether you're inside of the church or outside of the church, is individualism. Take care, number one. And the question that we have to ask, there's, there's a theme throughout the book of Judges that goes like this. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It's a theme throughout the entire book of Judges. And one of the things that I want to ask you to evaluate with me as we're going through the book of Judges is very simply, is that a good idea? Will that lead to peace, happiness, and prosperity? You know, I think whenever we're examining faith, when maybe you're on a journey into Christianity, or maybe you feel like you're almost in a journey out of Christianity, or you're confused, or you're sunk in, you know this is the path that you want to go. One of the things that I want to do is kind of examine two things as we go through the book of Judges. I want to ask one thing first. Is following God worth it? Secondly, is it true? Because a lot of times we, we spend a lot of time talking about how true it is, but we don't examine the fact that this is really what we want. What I'm going to show you in this passage today is a beautiful God. I sure hope he's real, and he is real. But what I want to show you today is that he is worth it in following. All right, so let's talk about something. I want to talk about something just for a second that I'm seeing more and more. And I, I don't know whether or not it's becoming more common. I, I don't have the pulse on what's becoming common and not becoming common in a lot of different areas. But I'm starting to hear this, and it's a little disconcerting to me. Uh, I'm starting to see different people that I've known that they, they couple, they're in love when they get young, and when they get young, you don't get young, get old, but they're in love and then they get married and they kind of do the, uh, the American dream type thing. They have 2.5 kids and a dog and a two-car garage and then they raise their kids. They do the school thing. They do the sports things. They do all this and then by, all, by everything that we look at from the outside, everything's going great and then kids go off to college and everything gets set up and then a couple years after they go to college, all of a sudden you hear they're getting a divorce. And you're like, everyone around them's like, what happened? We didn't see this coming. What happened? And a lot of times, there are language that happens, that comes out when you ask them that question. It's like this. They say things like, we just fell out of love, or we grew apart, or he is not the person I married. Now, I'm not going to try to say that, that divorce is painful. I know many of you in this room have, have been through it in one way or another, and it's painful, and there's a lot of reasons. And, and when, you hear the divorce, when you hear the word divorce, you're either the type of person most likely that feels tremendous guilt or anger and bitterness. And one of the things that we want to say at the beginning is it, just that there is grace and freedom and mercy in, in Jesus Christ. But the reality is it's painful. And wouldn't it be nice to know what happened? Wouldn't it be nice to know what happened, what went on in the heart? 
Well, I think the book of Judges has a little bit to say about that as God's own people seem to fall out of love with him. Okay? So, let's look at Judges chapter 2, and I'm just going to read for right now verses 11 through 18. It'll, again, be on the screen behind me. Judges chapter 2, verses 11 through 18. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt. And they went after other gods. From among the gods of the peoples who were around them, and they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. And they abandoned the Lord, and they served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them, and he sold them into the hand of the surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. And whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm. As the Lord, was, as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. And then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. And they soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. What we're going to look at today for the big idea, the title of this sermon is uh, The Forgotten God. The Forgotten God. And here's the big idea. Your greatest threat is an untamed heart. Your greatest threat is an untamed heart. What we see in the first two chapters of, of the book of Judges is really a summary of what's about to happen in each episode throughout the entire book. In each episode, uh, the people's hearts, they go away from God towards something else. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And then God, God brings e enemies to them, then raises up a judge and delivers them. And what we just read in this passage was kind of the summary theme of what happens over and over and over again throughout the entire book. And what we see here is this. Your greatest threat is an untamed Heart. As I mentioned, the biggest theme of the book of Judges that comes out is they did what was right in their own eyes. Now, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. One of the, the one advice that you hear very often today is follow your heart. Follow your heart. It'll never lead you wrong. problem is, that's not true. That's not true. This, this is what the Bible says about your heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And I love this. Please listen to this. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Listen to this. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Now, I could spend the rest of our sermon going through all the different sections of the Bible and talking about how concerned God is about your heart. One of the things that Jim, when he comes to do our parenting workshop in just in about a month, is going to talk about is not only caring about the behaviors of your child, but also caring about the attitude of your child. God does the same thing with us, his children. 
Okay? He is so concerned about the heart. In fact, the first commandment uh, that's given in the Ten Commandments is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I could go through each one of the commandments and talk about how the main issue is a heart issue. In fact, when Jesus preaches on the Ten Commandments, that's what he does. He comes out and says, actually, let me show you the heart issue behind that. Okay? God cares about your heart. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, we read this, For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We could talk about that. The heart is the main thing. What I want to show you in this passage is the greatest threat to Israel wasn't the enemies that had iron chariots. It wasn't the enemies that had more people and weapons. It wasn't their lack of resources or lack of strength or lack of wisdom. The greatest threat to Israel and the greatest threat for you is the heart that loves something other than God. Point number one. You only forget about the things you are not interested in. Point number one this morning. Around this theme that your greatest threat is an untamed heart. You only forget about the things that you are not interested in. You never forget about the things that you're passionate about. All right? So let's say, let's say something tragic happens. Let's say that you, it's time for your anniversary and you forget about it. All right? Oh boy, right? Oh boy. All right, let's say that your best friend has a birthday and you forgot about it. This is a problem. Let me ask you a question. Why is it a problem? Because it communicates to that other person what? You weren't thinking about me, right? You don't care. That's the reason why we get upset about that is we get, we get upset when people, we got this special event and we hope everybody remembers it because we're thinking about it and then they just forget and we realize they really don't care that much about us. You see that we remember the things that we are passionate about and the reason why Israel forgot about God is not because they had a memory problem. It's because they had a heart problem. It's pretty hard to forget about the things that God did, right? I mean, they just were delivered from Egypt just in the book of Exodus just a generation ago. I mean, just on an epic scale, God showing his power, taking almost every form of nature and molding it exactly how he wanted to mold it. You don't forget about that, but they did. Why? Because their heart went a different direction. You never forget about what you are passionate about because it's constantly on your mind. You know, men get a bad rap. I'm one of them. And uh, it's for good reason, right? Because men are way more selfish than women are. It's just a fact. It just is. And the reality is we get a big rap because we can't remember anything, right? We, we, everybody, everybody picks on men. We can't remember anything. But I would challenge that. All right, let me, let me say this. What time does Clemson play next week? I guarantee you that we know that question, right? right? What's, what ranking was Carolina's recruiting class? I guarantee you that we know that. Which one, which one, I love to ask this question. This is one of my favorite questions to ask men. Who's a better athlete, uh, LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Boy, you're going to get some opinions about that one, right? You're gonna, and what they're going to do is bring up obscure stats from the 80s. Like, listen, in the 84 final, Jordan had a 32.5 score and average. And, oh, we can remember stuff. They were passionate about. And the reason why Israel forgot that they served the most powerful God in the world wasn't because they had a memory problem. It was because they had a heart problem. Forgetfulness 
is a heart problem. And those men that you ask about all these things, they can bring up obscure stats, and then you ask them what their wife's birthstone is. And they don't know. Just honesty, I had to look it up. Right? I had to look my, I had to look my amethyst. I know now. Okay? Amethyst. I got it. But I'm just being real. Okay? You forget about your forgetfulness is because of this. And that's what we see in the book of Judges. Now, I want to read just a few verses from chapter 1. We're not, again, I'm not going to go through the whole chapter 1, but I'm just going to read a few. And I actually don't have these on the screen behind me, so just listen if you don't have a Bible in front of you. But just this chapter 1, verses, verses 1 through 4, this is what we read. And after the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given the land into his hand. So what happened is, this is where we are in the, in the history of the Bible. They've already taken most of the land. So God delivered them from, Israel, from Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. A lot of people know that story. God delivered them out. They crossed the Red Sea. They went into the land. Jericho fell, and they went, and they fought for the entire land. Okay? This is the second conquest. This is the cleanup job. Okay? This is when they're finishing out every, uh, the, taking the full land that God had promised them. Okay? This, is what, this is what that's about. All right? And so what I want to read for you now is just a couple verses on the back half of, on the back half of chapter 1. And this is the main, issue, this is the main problem. Okay? Look at verse 27 uh, and 28. I'll read those two. Uh, and again, just follow along with me as I read, and you'll see the big problem that Israel got into. Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shean and its villages, or Tanakh and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Abelam and its villages, or the inhabitants of Medigo and its villages, for the Canaanites persisted in the land. And when Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not drive them out completely. Now, the one thing I want you to notice, other than all the strange names of those towns, is this. God gave the Israelites a command. Drive out the people. And there's a reason for that. We're going to talk about it in just a second. And they didn't do it. They didn't do it. And this brings me to my second point this morning, and it's this that the heart slips by small degrees. The heart slips by small degrees. It starts out small. You don't fall out of love with your husband in a moment. You don't lose your best friend in an instant. You don't have a falling out with your adult children over one incident. Now, it may be one thing that brought it to the surface, but it wasn't that incident. It's a slow grind where you stop taking things seriously. We have a phrase uh, that we say a lot of times in our house. We'll say half obedience is whole disobedience, right? We'll say slow obedience is disobedience, and because this is how the heart works. It doesn't massively shift direction in just one fail swoop. It's progressive, and it's slow, and you can see that in this passage. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, the angel of the Lord, this is God's messenger, comes and gives a sermon to the people. Let me read it for you just briefly. 
And chapter 2 begins like this. Now the angel of the Lord went from Gilgal to Bohem, Bohem, and he said, I brought you up from Egypt, and I brought you into the land that I swore to to your fathers. I kept my part of the deal. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this that you have done? Now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare to you. And as soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept, and they called the name of the place of the Lord Bohem, and they sacrificed there to the Lord. The angel of the Lord says, listen, I told you I would give you the power to drive these people out. I did, and you didn't do it. Heart is slipping. The heart is slipping. And this is one of the things that I want you to see. This is not how love works. Love is lavish. So you take your girl, you're dating, you're schmitten, you take her to the fair, and then that opportunity comes where you you gotta go to that game, right? Now, what kind of prize do you want to win her? You want to win her that that little caramel apple? Nah. You want that big, obnoxious teddy bear, right? This, like, this, this, this bigger than you, and you want it for two reasons, let's be honest. The first reason is you just want to carry it around the rest of the time so everybody can see you won that teddy bear, right? But the second reason is you want, to, you want big things for her, right? You want big things for her. That's how love works. Love doesn't work on bare minimums. If you're working on bare minimums, that means the heart is starting to slip. And that's exactly what happened in the nation of Israel. The heart was starting to slip because they were working on bare minimums. The reality about God's love is it is lavish. It is lavish. Paul talks about it in the book of Ephesians. He says this, In him we have redemption through his blood. That's lavish. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He has lavished on us. Little disobedience is when your heart starts to slip. And the question that God is asking you right now and asking me right now is, is your heart starting to slip? It turns by degrees. So what are you supposed to do about that? Well, point number three. You forget about an old love when you have a new love. You forget about an old love when you have a new love. In chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, I read this at the beginning. I'm just going to read it again. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals, and they abandoned the Lord, the, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they went after other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them and bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord, and they served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. Okay? Now, who are these other gods? And you're actually going to hear these themes all throughout the book of Judges. So if you go home today and you read the Old Testament or you just read the book of Judges, you're going to hear this name, Baals and Ashtaroth, over and over and over and over again. What's going on? Okay? Let me explain to you a little bit about what Canaanite worship looked like. All right? So uh, Baal, Baal was the male god, and then Ashtaroth was his female counterpart. 
And they were the gods of nature. Baal was the god of storms and fertility. And, and Asheroth was his female companion. And their theology was that when these two folks got together in an intimate relationship, an intimate physical relationship, that's what made nature happen. So if you wanted storms to happen, and if you, if you wanted storms to happen, if you wanted your land to be fertile, if you wanted to have a lot of kids, you prayed that you made sure that Baal brought flowers home to his wife. Okay? That's, what you, that's what you were praying, that's what you were thinking. And that the main object of their worship, this is how they worshiped, was through temple prostitution. In other words, if you go in and do this in, in the temple with a prostitute, you may encourage the heavenly gods to do what they need to do to produce the, the prosperity that you want. This was worship for them. So you can imagine how the cell goes whenever you're trying to convince someone other else to join your religion. And the Israelites, they fell for it. Why? Because you forget about an old love when you have a new love. Let me ask you this. If I, if I were to get you guys to raise your hands if I asked this question, which one would you want more? Would you want strong wisdom? Would you want right wisdom? Or would you want right desire? Many of you would be tempted, just like me, to go, I want wisdom. I want wisdom. I want to, I want to know what I'm supposed to do and when things are going to run right, right? But the reality is there's a character in the Bible, true story of a man named Solomon. And Solomon prayed that God would give him wisdom, and he did. And he had all the wisdom in the world. And he did amazing things with his wisdom. But his desire was backwards. And he lost everything. And at the end of his life, he says everything is meaningless other than serving God. Examine your loves the only way you drive out an old love is with a new love. Okay? Now that works if your old love is God and your new love is something else, but that also works if your old love is something that you shouldn't be loving and God is what you should be loving. You drive out old love with new loves. And that leads me to my final point this morning, is that you may forget about God, but He has not forgot about you. Now, this passage should astound you, okay? Let me just read it one more time. Verse 14, just 14 through 16, okay? I know I'm reading a lot of Scripture, but trust me, it's important, all right? Verse 14, So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and He gave them over to plunderers who plundered them, and He sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies, so they could no longer withstand their enemies. And whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them, and the Lord was warned, and the Lord had sworn to, and the, and the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. God loves His people so much that whenever they run away from Him to serve other gods, He is burning hot angry. And that's how love works. That's how love works. When you really love someone and they turn away, you are angry. But what's astonishing is between verses 15 and 16, you don't read, and the people of Israel fell on their face and repented and never did anything again. They didn't do anything. And then you read verse 16. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered. And what I want you to realize about God 
is that he is jealous with a righteous jealousy. He is angry at sin with an anger that you can't even fathom. And yet he comes to get people who don't deserve it. And when you're talking about your heart, I would just ask you this simple question. Who else or what else in the world is going to do that for you? Before we even need to ask the, the, the very real question about what is this even true, which is a whole nother sermon, okay? That's a whole nother sermon about is this true? We need to ask the question, is it worth it? Because the, God, the life that God calls us to is not easy if you're a believer in Christ. But is it worth it? This God is worth it. He is a redeeming God. If you look at this, it is apostasy and then apostasy. And that means turning away from God, running away as far as you can, and then right in the middle of it, grace, forgiveness, raising up judges. There is no one more worthy. And this, my friends, this episode of God raising up a judge to deliver people from their enemy is the precursor to our Lord Jesus Christ. It's why we're here today. It's because we had an ultimate enemy. We didn't deserve it. We ran from God. We followed other loves. And then God came down in His Son and paid the price that we deserved. That is a God who is worthy of your heart. That is a God that I am begging you to voluntarily cast your affections towards because it's putting them in the right place. The greatest threat is an untamed heart. We're called to tame our heart. As I finish, I'll just mention this briefly. The back end of the verse 5, we read that, uh, verses 4 and 5 of chapter 2, we read that the people of Israel, they said, hey, listen, we're sorry, we're going to offer sacrifices, we're going to cry. But here's one thing we found out. It wasn't for real. It didn't last. And the opportunity that we have today is to recognize, listen, the heart was slipping, and to come back. There's no one else who's more worthy. Father in heaven, as we transition now and think about uh, taking the Lord's Supper, uh, the representation of, of what you have done for us, the worthiness of the goodness of the salvation that's provided in Jesus Christ that we have an opportunity to taste and see now. I pray, Father, that you would lead our untamed heart to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.